This is the Edify Podcast for the servant. Final words are lasting words, and especially when they come from one of significant stature. 2 Timothy 4, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4 that that segment captures some of the the final written words of the apostle Paul. They they come in the last chapter of his final epistle, and they pick up where uh, you and I uh, begin and end. They these these words are written for for those who came before us, those who are here now with us, and for those who will be after us. And and Paul has just declared that Scripture is supremely sufficient to equip uh, Timothy for his ministry. Chapter three and verse seventeen. But it's not just supremely sufficient for the man of God. It's also supremely sufficient for the body of Christ. And Paul wants Timothy to take the inspired word, the living and active seed, the, the, um, the, the work of the Holy Spirit, to take that work in the written form and preach it with unwavering commitment. And it's a commitment that is so vital, that, and it's so vital because uh, opposition is going to come. It's going to come now. It's going to come later. It's going to come before it came in Timothy's world, and it was surely to come after the epistle was written, and, and we're going to always face this opposition. And so to ensure that, that Timothy fulfills his ministry, Paul charges him to do, uh, to do this and, and to discharge the most critical task, the, the, most, the greatest work of which anyone can be involved, which is what? To preach the word. This is going to be the final episode of this season, chap- chapter 3, I guess we would say, in this, in this segment, and we're going to pick up. Uh, after the first of the year, and uh, go with a different spin. So, so focusing so much on preaching and, and hearing the word and the command to preach and the command to hear, we're going to shift the gears after the first of the year and go in a different route, some things that may be beneficial for you. But as we wrap this up, I want to give this solemn charge, as Timothy gave this solemn charge, Paul, or, or was given this solemn charge, Paul wants Timothy to, to sense the weight and urgency of the ensuing exhortation. And so, as such, he gives him a solemn charge he says to solemnly charge, that is to exhort with authority in matters of extraordinary significance. Thus, by solemn charge alone, this was already a matter of immense magnitude, and it came with the full weight of apostolic authority. Paul exponentially increases the extraordinary significance of the task by making it a fourfold charge, invoking the presence of both God and Christ as well as Christ's appearing and kingdom. Therefore, this charge could not have been made any weightier. This is the most serious thing of all the earth. And so what he does by charging Timothy in the presence of both God and Christ, Paul wants him to understand two different things. Number one, this this charge comes with the full authority of God. So, dear listener, when you're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, you need to understand the charge at hand. This charge comes with the full authority of God. Both the Father and the Son are present in giving and receiving of this charge. That's the first thing to note for you in your work. As you as you wrap up this season, uh, this holiday season, as you wrap up 2022, as you go into 2023, if you've not had this bold confidence that you've needed to have to understand this charge and understand this weight, I pray that this episode is going to give you that. The second thing is that his ministry would be carried out before their very omniscient eyes, that is, God the Father and Christ the Son. Nothing would be hidden from their sight. Therefore, this charge came with the highest level of authority and accountability is, is there. 
So, in fact, heightening the note of accountability, Paul highlights uh, Christ as the one, as he said, quote, who is to judge the living and the dead. Given that Timothy had delivered a disposition uh, or, or, or maybe had de- developed, uh, maybe I don't want to say delivered because we don't know how he received it. Did, did he? Did the Holy Spirit just tell Paul this or did Timothy write a letter? We don't know. We don't know. But but whatever, Timothy had developed a disposition of timidity. Um, 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7, we we know his disposition. First Timothy, he says, I, I beseech you, I, I exhort you, I want to encourage you. People who are on the high don't need encouragement. People who are in the low need the encouragement. That tells us where he was. He was in a slope. He was in a slump. So Paul sought to reignite the fear of God in Timothy. The fear man uh, was a liability uh, to his ministry, to be afraid of men and to be afraid of those elders. You know, Paul said this was going to happen in Acts 20. He met with those Ephesian elders, and he told them, from from amongst these this eldership are going to come wolves to tear apart the body of Christ. He knew it. He foresaw it. Uh, he spoke it. The Holy Spirit revealed that to him. And here this is Timothy. Timothy is the one who's actually having to do the work. So accordingly, Paul points him to, the, to that time when he would he would give an account of himself to the Lord of glory, not to this eldership, not to the church at Ephesus, but to God himself. Listener, you will give an account, not to your local eldership, not to your local body to whom you preach every week, week in and week out, but to God himself. Paul also wanted to grip Timothy's heart with the right motivational fuel. Uh, so in this fourfold charge, he appeals. <clears throat> excuse me. He appeals to Christ's appearing and his kingdom. So there's there's two realities that point forward to, to future grace and reward. So in fact, what Paul does is he spells this out in verses seven and eight, where he says that I have fought the good fight, that I have finished the course that I have kept a faith. And he says, in the future, there is laid up for me this this crown, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, which is the righteous judge, not this eldership, not this church, not Timothy himself, but the Lord, the righteous judge. He is going to award Paul on that day. And he says, not only to me, but all, but also to all who loved his appearing. If Timothy were going to fulfill his ministry, if Jake Sutton is going to fulfill his ministry, if you are going to fulfill your ministry, you and I, have to keep, we are in need to keep one eye on future glory. Doing so is going to fuel you and fuel me in the face of inevitable opposition. It's going to happen, fellas. So there is a number one, a solemn charge before God in Christ, and then there is a sacred task. The primary task that Timothy was to carry out to fulfill his ministry was this. It was not great articles for the bulletin. It was not podcast. It was not YouTube videos. His task was to preach the word, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2. That's what you do. And your preaching equips the saints for the working of the ministry, Ephesians 4.11. That's exactly what your work is as a preacher. Everything else you do, it is because you are a Christian. I pray that your eldership understands this, or God forbid, you have a men's business meeting which is a cancer to the kingdom of Jesus. Um, that that sort of thing is a cripple. And where they want to put you and make you the pastor of the whole entire church, no, your obligation is to preach and to equip. Nothing can get in the way of that. If you are overwhelmed 
with your local work. If it is the case that that you can't seem to catch a break and that that they're exhausting you and that they they put all of these different things on you, you need to have a conversation with them to say, this is my solemn task. Uh, Let them listen to this episode. They need to understand this, that your job as a preacher is not to pastor the flock of God uh, because the Holy Spirit has not made you an overseer through his word. Your job, preacher, is to preach the word of God and to preach the word of God so to equip the church. So in this sense, the word preach can mean to make an official announcement. So in that sense, it would it was it was um it was used of a, of a herald. And at that time, the emperor of Rome would issue a decree. Then to, to make it known, he would summon his heralds and commission them to make public proclamation throughout the empire. Now these heralds were responsible to deliver the decree exactly as given. Nothing was to get in the way of that. There was no room to modify the message. Obviously, we know that. And it was to be declared with the authority of the emperor. Now, it had nothing to do with the herald. The herald was a human being. All of the weight, all of the announcement, all of the decree came with that of the Roman emperor. The heralds were responsible uh, to, to give it, to, to lay it out there. It was as though that he himself were present and delivering the message himself. Were the heralds responsible for the results? No. Would they be held accountable for the for the response of the people? No. Their only responsibility was to deliver the message. So not only do we keep our eye on future glory, but do not keep your eye on the results of the work. Your job is not to be concerned with the fruit of the kingdom, but rather the root of the kingdom as you preach. So this this herald in, in ancient Rome, after delivering this message, they were to report back to Rome and await their next assignment. It is this imagery that, that undergirds Paul's exhortation to preach the word. Now, as mentioned, th- this would not be without opposition. So Paul specifies the enduring nature of this command. He adds, be ready in season and out of season, which is to say there are only two different seasons. Biblical preaching is either popular and received, or it is unpopular and it is unwanted. Regardless of the season, Timothy was to reprove, he was to rebuke, and he was to exhort. And as such, faithfulness called for confronting sin. Sin would have to be a word in Timothy's regular preaching vocabulary. But it was not to be harsh. He was not to be heavy-handed. His preaching must also be accompanied with great patience and instruction. Timothy must ensure uh, that the the exhortational uh, and correctional component of his preaching is bathed in forbearance. It is bathed in teaching. So, yes, there is a solemn charge. Yes, there is a sacred task. But there's a somber forecast. Paul brings the opposition to the fore to the very front in verses 3 and 4 when he writes, For the time will come, this is going to happen, young man, when they, that is them, they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, what are they going to do? They're going to accumulate for themselves teachers. False sheep love false shepherds. They're going to accumulate these false shepherds in accordance to their own desires, and they're going to turn away from the truth and will turn aside to myths. He uses this same same term myths here in, in 1 Timothy. And, and so this, this out of season uh, was on the horizon. It's there. The time is going to come when this is going to happen. 
a season when, when perhaps even the whole congregation is going to refuse and they're going to no longer tolerate uh, this sound doctrine, this, 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 this which accords with what is right to God. So one that surely coincides with 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1, but the Spirit explicitly says that in, in latter times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits, doctrines of demons. They, they will pay attention to these things because they crave new and novel teaching. They they have what Paul calls itching ears. Now obviously this isn't this isn't where your ear itches because you got too much wax in there or or the seasons are changing. No, this is a the the, the ear of the heart. They're, they they are not victims of deception. Instead, they are driven by their own desires. Their turning away from the truth is a willful, deliberate turn. As someone has somewhere said, sin is the mother of all heresies. Congregations should not be surprised when its members oppose the truth or altogether defect from the faith. This is inevitable in the professing church. First John chapter two and verse nineteen. So in addition, due to the remaining principle of sin, even true believers are going to experience desires that are going to be hostile to the truth. Galatians five seventeen. Desire cannot be the litmus test for truth and error. We know this. Instead, one must submit himself or herself to the text of Scripture and let it be its own arbiter. Paul's prophecy here in this text indicates that there will be a continual war for each church's pulpit. It is not for sale, and we will die defending it. The fight for the pulpit predominantly falls to those who wear Timothy's shoes. But congregations would do well to stand with their Timothy, surrounding their pulpit with you, with me, in unified opposition to those who resist the truth. They can do this. They can do this, and they're commanded to do this with a tender heart, laboring uh, vigorously in prayer, being diligent to preserve their unity, Ephesians 4.3. So when one considers the faithfulness of a preacher's ministry, it is as much a testimony of the congregation as it is of him. There is nothing the church of Jesus needs more today than a return to a theological, rich, doctrinally sound, clear, precise, accurate, and spirit-empowered. It's only spirit-empowered if it's doctrinally sound and that preaching of the Word of God. It has been said that that, that no, substan- no substantial uh, reformative work or restoration work in the life of the church throughout its history has ever taken place apart from a return to biblical preaching. Fellas, the recipe for building Christ's church remains unchanged. May God raise up an army of men who are willing to heed the exhortation of the Apostle Paul to preach the word, and may he rise up, may may the Lord Jesus, God himself, the Holy Spirit, raise up congregations who highly regard the preached word uh, to both enlist and esteem their ministries. Fellas, you have a solemn charge. There is a sacred task, and there is a somber forecast. There are going to be times when opposition is going to be hot, where it is going to be bad. There are going to be seasons where you feel like I'm done with this place. I'm done with this eldership. I'm done with this church. They don't care. They don't care. They don't care. And I would say practice the one more day mentality. 
one more day. Just give them one more day. Keep chopping away at the giant. Keep hitting harder and harder. You think about this massive tree that's out in the yard, and you're trying to wear it down. And as you chop into this tree, you are going to become tired. But just keep chopping, keep chopping, keep chopping. Don't quit. Paul had to encourage Timothy. Why? Because he was down. Because he was tired. Because he was out of gas. And what did Paul want to do for Timothy? He wanted to fan the flame of the gift of God uh, that was given him. Fellas, you're in the pulpit. It is a blessing and a gift to be there. It is. You have talents, traits, and abilities, things that you're uh, constantly working on, things that you're constantly uh, trying to motivate yourself and trying to be disciplined. Because motivation will go away, but discipline will not go away. How do you make it through the hard times? How do you make it when, when times are difficult? And how do you make it when, when it's uh, seasons of cold or seasons of drought? How do you make it? Discipline. Not motivation. Not turning on Rocky. Not, not listening to Eye of the Tiger, but discipline, where you've disciplined yourself, where you don't, need, you don't need pessimism and you don't need optimism. It doesn't matter. You're there for the calling. You're there for the elect. You're there for the preaching of the Word of God. You've been given this task, the solemn charge, one eyes on glory. God is watching. Heaven is at hand and hell is forever. Fellas, may God be with you in your preaching and your teaching. May God be with the church that they themselves will stand and arise and refuse the hostile and itching ears of their heart.